Welcome to Important Not Important. My name is Quinn Emmett. And I'm Brian Colbert-Kennedy. This is the podcast where we dive into a specific topic or question affecting everyone on the planet right now or in the next 10 or so years. Uh, If it can kill us or turn us into CRISPR robots, we are in. Our guests are scientists, doctors, engineers, politicians, astronauts, even a reverend. And we work together towards action steps our listeners can take with their voice, their vote, and their dollar. Brian, why is this week special? Well, this week is special because uh, we're doing a special replay episode. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. last year we had uh, conversations with some STEM candidates running for Congress. And guess what? They won. So uh, we're reintroducing you to some of the uh, kick-ass folks who are are taking office right now. This week, shit's about to get real. That's right. Uh, And today's guest is Chrissy Houlihan. She's the new congresswoman from Pennsylvania District 6. Uh, We dig into the very personal reasons why she ran, uh, what's so special about Pennsylvania, and the first thing she said she's going to do when she gets elected. Uh, A reminder, this conversation happened in the past. Uh, We do not yet have a time machine. Teddy claims to be working on it. I have full trust in Teddy. Well, for some things. Let's go talk to Chrissy. Here we go. Our guest today is Chrissy Houlihan, and together we're going to ask, Brian, why does Congress need a female naval officer, engineer, chemistry teacher mom anyways? Uh, Chrissy, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. For sure. Uh, We are pumped to have you, Chrissy. Yeah. Um, so uh, tell us uh, uh, who you are and, and what it is that you do. So obviously, my name is Chrissy Houlihan, and I am currently a full-time congressional candidate and have been for the better part of the last year and a half. Uh, but prior to that, I have had a very extensive and eclectic background in a lot of other things. Um, as you mentioned, I am an officer. I'm actually a, an Air Force officer. Uh, I'm an engineer by education, and I have in the past also been known to teach chemistry off and on, and most recently been engaged in early childhood literacy, uh, as well as having been an entrepreneur for a very long period of time. So I've got a very, very eclectic background, but I really think that the common thread through all of that is is one of service. Uh, I love that. I love that. And apologies for mangling your specific branch of the Armed Forces. No problem. My dad would just be very offended because he is, in fact, a naval officer, as was my <laughs> oh, grandfather. You know so. I'm not going to get in the middle of that. It's not pretty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those got her are name, not right? things you should get in the middle of. No. One of my best friends is an XO on a submarine. And boy, if you even call a ship a boat, I mean, it's just like he doesn't <laughs> talk to me for a week. So. Are they not the same thing? <laughs> anyway. We're not doing that today. Um. All right, so uh, uh, let's get let's get this going um, um, today. Uh, what we do here is uh, we have a wonderful guest on. We um, will go over a, a little context as uh, to what we're going to be talking about or a question we're going to answer, um, and then we're going to um, get out of you some very actionable steps that ourselves and our listeners and everyone can take to uh, to help help the cause and. Uh, help turn everything around I think what brian means by help the cause is save the world i meant to say save the world what did i say help the cause i meant to say yeah. save the world yeah so if if that sounds all right to uh, to you let's let's get going sounds perfect awesome so chrissy uh we start with one important question uh something to set the tone a little bit uh instead of saying tell us your whole life story uh we'd like to ask chrissy why are you vital to the survival of the species <laughs> Wow, that's a heady, heady question. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'd like to hear how other people answer that question. Yeah, one day we'll put a compilation. <laughs> yeah, out. Most people just laugh at us, but we end up actually getting something really good out of it. We, you know, you're you're here uh, for a reason. You started your campaign. You've lived a life of service for a reason. So tell us why. 
So I also have kids. Uh, my kids are now 26 and 24 years old. Uh, and I are uh, real human them. beings. Yeah, they're real human beings. <laughs> and I raised them with a singular purpose, which was, you know, kind of to challenge them to be the highest and best version of themselves and to you know, constantly be asking themselves how they can be more useful and purposeful uh, in, and happy in their lives. And so I think that kind of the answer to your question would be how I challenge my own kids. I hope that I'm vital to the planet because I hope that I'm living my best version of my life in service in one form or another. And it's whether it's serving in the military or serving by growing uh, socially responsible businesses or serving by educating um, our kids in STEM fields and otherwise. Uh, those are what I think I have done over the course of my adulthood to hopefully be vital because I think we're all put here to be to be special in some way. I love that. I love that. That's awesome. Uh, See, it always, it always starts with a laugh, but then, like you said, a really awesome answer comes out of it. Right? I mean, she's like, oh, I don't have an answer. And then something <laughs> yeah, yeah. incredibly and, oh, wait, profound. No, I'm the best. And I've raised the two best people on the planet. <laughs> got it. Got it. Check. <laughs> cool. All right. Awesome. So uh, I want to just uh, set up a little context uh, for today's topic, which is you. Uh, I got together some notes here on uh, sort of the history of females and and all of your other uh, many service-based occupations uh, throughout Congress. Um, please correct us like you already have once. That didn't take very long. Uh, or, <laughs> right in the facts, intro. facts matter. Facts matter. Yeah, or, they are. Uh, gosh, very important. Yeah. Uh, or run away as fast as you can. Whatever works best <laughs> for you. All right, here we go. Uh, 1916, first woman elected to the United States House of Representatives. Uh, there have been about 270 plus women since. Uh, some of those served in both the House and the Senate. Um, there are currently, I believe, 107 women in Congress uh, across the Senate and the House, uh, 78 Democrats, uh, 29 Republican women. Uh, kind of amazed that uh, their husbands actually let them out of the House, um, but good for them. Um, uh, but the point is 20%, just about 20% of Congress is ladies. Uh, that, that is not news, but is a huge part of the problem for a variety of reasons. Uh, more specifically, uh, to candidate Houlihan here, there's 84 women in the house, about 19% of the total, which is actually the most ever, Brian. That's insane. Yeah. Right. That's not a good representation of the people. There's gotta be at least 50% women in this country. Here's two more for you. Uh, only 33 of 50 states currently have a woman in the house. Jesus. And Vermont has never sent a woman to the House or the Senate, uh, which is kind of incredible. Totally um, fine. Uh, Chrissy, if you could tell us real quick, how many ladies are repping the Granite State, Pennsylvania today? Well, uh, here in Pennsylvania, we also have some good data for you that you will find abysmal as well. So <laughs> please, Pennsylvania, please. Pennsylvania has 18 congressmen, and uh -huh. they are all men, and two Great. senators, and they are both men. Perfect. And Jesus. we are the largest state in the nation that has no women currently serving in Congress. We also have the dubious distinction of being number 49th in the nation in terms of elected women in general, because there are actually thousands of elected positions in the state of Pennsylvania. Sure. And we are number 49th in the country in terms of our ability to elect women to those positions. And if you could just, for really our most basic listeners, how many states are there total? <laughs> I believe there are 50. Uh, got it. Got it. So 49th out of 50. Perfect. Yeah. Killing it. Um, <laughs> Uh, we're, Matt. yeah, <laughs> oh, God. uh, well, you're going to turn that around, uh, come hell or high water. Um, uh, now this is getting pretty specific. I, I believe there are currently two, uh, female vets in the house. Is that right? 
I, uh, I think that you might be referring to senators, and I do believe there there may be more women okay. veterans. Oh, uh, but but there are uh, quite a lot of women veterans running for Congress this cycle. Yes, uh, awesome. and I've been able to get to know many of them, uh, and they are remarkable, uh, not just because of their chromosomal balance, but also because of their, <laughs> their service. Sure. <laughs> Um, and from what I could tell from my uh, overinflated Google skills here, it seems like from what I could find, there are currently two former uh, female teachers in the house. So I would believe that as well. Yeah, uh, which again, yeah, is, is crazy. Uh, you know, if you if you uh, partner that with, I don't know if you saw the Time Magazine stuff this week, Brian. Did you see those the incredible covers they did about teachers in America? Oh no. Uh, it's uh, there's like five or six different covers and yeah. one cover will be a, a teacher in America sitting solemnly on a desk. And there's a big bold quote that says, I work three jobs and oh, I, yes, I, I, did actually. I sell uh, yes. blood plasma and I can't pay my bills. I did see like, that. Great. Good, good, good. Um, yeah, no big we, deal. Tweeted, we tweeted that one. Yeah. Uh, it's just honestly, fun. some of the best people in my entire life were my teachers, like no kidding. hundred percent. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so Across uh, candidate Houlihan's various um, uh, roles that she has filled over the years, uh, there is a, a glaring, massive lack of perspective, not yes. just from the female perspective. So with that, for some context, the question is, why does Congress need a female Air Force officer, Boom. engineer, chemistry teacher, mom, anyways? Uh, Chrissy, I remember in 2016, uh, sitting at my kitchen counter, pulling my hair out when the Democratic firewall... Uh, of which Pennsylvania was a large part, crumbled. The president beat Hillary by 44,292 votes. I think Jill Stein got 49,000 votes, but we're not going to get into that. Uh, the point is, I don't think anybody really saw it coming, or at least Democrats clearly didn't. Uh, did you? Should we have? Uh, what role did 2016 play in your running today? So I was sitting in my uh, living room that evening and down East Coast time, it was about 930 at night when Pennsylvania, and you're absolutely right, it was all our fault when the uh, wall fell. The, well, no, wait, the hold on. Fell. I didn't say that. Come on now. I just said that I you feel like it the was way. all of our fault. You know, I had been out uh, canvassing uh, for Hillary with my daughter, my eldest daughter. It was 24 at the time. Uh, we had gone home and changed. I got in my pantsuit. She got in her white suffragette outfit. We went down awesome. to the Wow. of the driveway and voted. Uh, we sat down with our champagne and balloons to celebrate. We did not see this coming. Uh, we did not see this coming. And uh, the next, you know, the night, uh, about 9.30, probably 6.30 your time, was when we started realizing that the, the wheels were off of this and that it wasn't going to end up the way that we thought it was. And history wasn't going to be made in that particular way for us that evening. Um, and so as a consequence of that beginning, you know, kind of sinking feeling of that, I had clearly gotten this wrong. We had clearly not understood what was going on in our nation. Um, that was the beginning of me going back to how we started the conversation, saying, what can I do about this? What is my highest and best way of thinking ourselves out of this? And um, the next part of my story is actually kind of sad, which is uh, my daughter is gay. And uh, in the days and weeks after the election, she would not uh, kind of get up and go back to her adult life because she was so concerned about her her community and her uh, right. what she thought our nation you know had promised her and, and people like her. And um, similarly, my dad is a, a Navy guy, as we mentioned and talked about, uh, a certain mm -hmm. nearly thirty years in the military. But he's also a survivor of the Holocaust and came here as a oh, small wow. five year old. 
And so my dad, the days after the election was similarly, you know, not exaggerating in tears in my living room, yeah. talking about the opportunities that we weren't guaranteeing each other and talking about building basements out to hide folks and worried about being a refugee again. And uh, when your dad and your daughter are, you know, uh, telling you that you're you're doomed um, in my part of the military, I worked in satellite technologies. And when two satellites are telling you the same thing, it's it's your truth. You know, it's ground truth. Right. Sure. And so my dad and my daughter I, you know, are my satellites and they were telling me that we needed to do something. So that's why I'm running for Congress. Well, can't possibly well. think of a better reason. <laughs> than that to do anything wow. yeah ever. well there you go okay i think brian literally just let brian's life just changed in the past 30 seconds Jeez. so look in his face right now um that's pretty incredible um i i you know there's this um i'm, I'm working uh, on a submarine movie with my buddy and my grandfather was in the subs my whole family was in in the military and and there's this phrase when it comes to, to being depth charged, which nobody really knows, doesn't matter how brave you are, how you're going to act when it when it happens, because it's so terrifying. And so it's it's hard to blame some folks who are like, oh, we should move, we should do this and this when Trump got elected or when all this shit started happening the past year, because it's it's pretty terrifying. Uh, you know, the the this this tide of democracy we've been we've been promised the past 40 years uh is in deep shit, clearly, and not just here. Um, and I think it really shook a lot of people's worlds, but it's it's so uh, commendable and impressive when someone like yourself says, hey, I have two very different perspectives coming at me uh, from two very important people who represent, um, you know, a multitude of different demographics and, and interest groups uh, and ways of life saying this is not OK. And, and it's really impressive for you to to drop all of those other things and all that other versions of service that you've you've held to say, okay, then I'll fucking do well, it myself. Yeah. And, and I think it kind of was a little bit, even at a next level on that, because my realization was that you know, I'm a 51 year old white suburban lady, you know, and, um, and my, and my kid and my dad are sort of normal run of the mill people. And the idea that we could frankly move around our country with ease and be effectively invisible and not necessarily have to worry about the tide turning as you're mentioning, um, was sure. the fact that we were so worried, you know, really right. made me realize that, wow, how about the rest of our population that may not be able to right. move with ease throughout our society? How worried must they be? You know, sure. and if we need to, we need to be helpful. We can't run away. This is the time when we need yeah. to stand up. This is, I always hate saying this out loud, but I saw a tweet the other day from someone that went very popular is essentially like, I've never been scared of a black man or a Mexican or any other immigrant walking down the street. It's the guy with the raging eagle on the back of his car and a, and a right. make America great again hat that terrifies the shit out of me, which is true. Ugh. Um, and, and like you said, n maybe not for people who, who look like us up to this point, but for everyone else, if, if you feel this way, what about everyone else? Yeah. Chrissy, if you, if there is a one answer to this, uh, which, which of your many, uh, previous careers would you say, uh, best prepares you for a career in Congress, you're you're what we call like a utility player yeah. in baseball. Yeah, we're <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, uh, she can play shortstop. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I I think that I have a really diverse uh, set of experiences, and I am hopeful that I'll be able to be useful in a lot of different you know ways, uh, whether it's committee settings or, or otherwise. A lot of experience working with a lot of different kinds of people as well, um, and so I'm I'm looking forward to being useful. 
I think that probably the most, the best parts of my background, I think, are those things that are pragmatic and practical. I think that being a veteran, uh, it prepares you singularly for being somebody who's willing to put our uh, country above party, you know, who's willing to be pragmatic and a problem solver, uh, who's a team player and who isn't kind of about partisanship, frankly. Uh, I also think being a woman similarly prepares you for that. I think that uh, statistically, scientifically, if you want to go there, uh, women are more collaborative than men tend to be. And, and I think that we need more uh, diversity at the table in that way as well. So oh, I think baby, we need it. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, it, so I've been thinking about this one a little bit, mostly because of people like Rand Paul, but I'm, I'm curious if you've ever felt like there are experiences in your past that might almost hamper your ability to get to work to uh, get some work done in Congress. I, I think about, so we always say we want more doctors and scientists in Congress. And again, like we're trying to fuel that as much as humanly possible. I'm a liberal arts major, but uh, I'm a big nerd and recognize that uh, people who can ask ethical questions. Uh, it's just as important right. uh, as people who understand how chemistry works um, for, for a variety of reasons. One, just uh, because you know how the scientific method works, but also why solar panels cost what they do. Um, but I, I'm, but what's interesting is Congress is such a unique place to work. And some folks might have zero experience working in that kind of environment. So it's almost not, it's almost, it's not entirely fair to beg people who have only worked in an academic lab or, or things like that, or worked in a dentist chair, which is amazing, but it's very different. It's a hell of a learning curve, or at least it is right now. Um, I'm just curious. I want to make sure we're asking these sort of questions because there's, Basically, basically, there's no grace period. I mean, between <laughs> yeah. election day yeah, and inauguration, no. there is. And, and, but, and Chrissy, we kind of need you on top of your shit from day one. Yeah, yeah. So I, I can understand and appreciate the question. And I know that uh, people with analytical kind of heads tend to get suffer from analysis paralysis. And I think that that can be a real yeah. thing. Um, but I also, uh, part of my background, a large part of my background is in entrepreneurism. And I'm an entrepreneur at heart. And you do have to, uh, you know, kind of think hard and think fast and move out smartly and make quick decisions. And so, as an example, trying to decide whether or not to run for Congress, I mm -hmm. needed to be analytical and think about whether or not I had an opportunity and a chance. And, you know, could I win? Would I win? You know, go through all the data and all the different uh, possible outcomes and branches of that kind of thing. And then you had to just make a choice because if mm -hmm. you didn't jump in, you, you know, you weren't going to, you certainly weren't going to win. You can't negotiate with yourself on that kind of thing. And part of my strategy, frankly, was to jump in as aggressively as I could, because I really wanted to make sure that I had a good battle plan. And so I, I think that I do have the ability to think analytically and I, and I, but I also think that I have the ability to move out quickly on decisions too. Oh, that's <laughs> helpful. Um, so I, Backing up a little bit, I'm kind of curious, you know, when you when you said your daughter suddenly felt like, you know, this way of life that I mean, frankly, you know, she's she's young that she's just embarking on uh, is going to be threatened, especially after so many of the amazing progressions we've made in the past five, seven years uh, on, on civil rights. I'm curious what the conversations were like between you two as you decided to run for office. Cause theoretically, I mean, and, and, and it really does that, that actually puts your family more in the spotlight. If there were any conversations about, is this actually a good idea? You know, what, what are the, what are the trade-offs for, for putting ourselves out there and saying, you know, fuck no, this is what we're standing up for. And we're, we're going to do it ourselves uh, and, and try to contribute versus um, this might make things harder. 
I'm curious. No, I mean, it was an absolute strategic and deliberate conversation as a family. We, we went away for a couple of days before we collectively decided that we were willing to put ourselves through this. You know, I'm kind of the, uh, never intended to be in this position or being this exposed personally or from a family perspective. And she and we consciously decided that this was definitely within bounds. It needed to be talked about because I think part of our conversation was had we and she been more open, frankly, about that than maybe some of our own family members who maybe had made a different decision on that election day would have made a different choice or voted differently or voted at all, you know, if they thought that somebody that they loved personally might have been affected by this decision. Sure. And and that literally the last point you made, it, I always come back to the pre-existing condition stuff for healthcare. Oh, yeah. You know, I feel like back when there were actually civilized arguments about these things 10 years ago, I mean, ish, uh, you know, I always thought to myself like, oh, you don't have anyone in your life who has a pre-existing condition. Right. Because if you did just one person, you would understand how completely unfair it is. Uh, and this is before Obamacare. That, that it's so incredibly unfair and the things that people, that insurance companies would get away with to call a pre-existing condition. You know, it's like they, when they say that you, when you live in D.C. or Los Angeles or New York, that you live in a bubble, but it's insane. I mean, Los Angeles is, is a home to, I think it's like 200 plus, uh, there's 200 plus countries where Los Angeles is the second biggest congregation of that nationality. And it's like, well, this, wow. that's not a bubble. Right. You know, not so uh, you wouldn't feel the way you feel about immigrants if you had that kind of exposure. And for some people, it's not their fault. You know, they, they might have grown up in the Midwest and not had enough money to move somewhere where they could be exposed to that sort of... Oh, are you talking about my whole family? <laughs> <laughs> I, I get it. But obviously, on the, uh, on the other hand, some folks aren't, aren't like that. But no, and, and your issue with healthcare is a really good one. It's something that um, is you know, probably the first issue that I heard people talking about in my community and is you know, the last thing, literally, as I walked into this interview that somebody was asking me about. And I think your analogy with pre, pre-existing conditions is also a good one. And I think that's why in my community in particular, there was such a, a not, an enormous upswell of energy to try and make sure that the Affordable Care Act at least remained uh intact and certainly that it would be hopefully improved as well uh, pre-existing conditions my daughter that we were just talking about she's now just turned 26 uh, and so that of course triggers a bunch of things in terms of her accessibility to health care sure you have a different whole different conversation to have there too you got to be like a superhero to her <laughs> i can't imagine being in that position and then yeah, your, I'm, your parent I'm still goes, a mom i still mess up all right the time. <laughs> well sure sure but man what what a person to have stand up to to this man that is in office assaulting your daughter and many others. That is incredible. Wow. Chrissy, why, why do you, why do you think Pennsylvania went the way that it did? What, what have you learned, I guess, in the past year and a half on that front? So I, I do think that there were a lot of things going on in Pennsylvania. You know, we are, the re, there's a reason why we're the firewall or we're sort of where the red meets the blue. That is kind of who we are as a people. We, I try to explain to folks like um, your way, we are really fundamentally a purple people. We sort of sit in the middle of the spectrum. We're not really red and we're not really blue. Um, and so I think that there is a population of folks who um, were voting on single issues who may have voted for President Trump or mm-hmm. for people, frankly, you know, a good analogy would be fourth stage cancer patients, you know, who sure. had tried the blue pill and that didn't work. And now they're going to try the red pill, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that those folks need to be acknowledged and, and honored, frankly, in their decision, because I think that 
I don't believe that a huge part of our population are misogynistic, you know, bigots. Um, I, I do believe that there was some pain involved in some of those decisions, which is what I struggle with trying to find out how I missed that. Um, and so I think that there's a combination of people who who voted for President Trump and, and they are those kinds of folks. And I think there's a lot of apathy here in our community, too, where we just sort of frankly thought that things would go the way that they had been going in the right direction. Yeah. As, you know, as you mentioned in the last 40 years, you know, the, the arc of justice had bent in the right direction, generally speaking. And so the apathy was definitely there. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's one of those things, though. I think a lot of us, are, our eyes became pretty glazed over. Uh, you know, we put the first black family in the White House. They were amazing. They weren't perfect, but they did a lot of wonderful stuff, especially on civil rights thing like that. They they tried on healthcare. They actually tried to do something bipartisan in healthcare. It worked for a lot of people. It didn't work for some people. Uh, from taxes to coal mining to things like that, like you said, there. It's very easy, you know. Right after election, it was oh, uh, it was old white people that 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 did this. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was just racists that did this. Oh, it was just the Midwest. It was all these things. But you're right. There's a lot of people who go. This is the single thing that matters to me the most. And that might be really different from the six people that you share an office with. You're all voting in the same direction, but for six different reasons. And, you know, that cascades down to where did we take our foot off the pedal? And, and I do think it's been, I'm going to use an analogy here. Uh, I've used a few times, kind of like... We have a bunch today already. I like that we're continuing down this path. It's just horseshit. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's basically, you know, there, there was a time when Batman got his back broken uh, by a villain called <laughs> named Bane. Yep. Uh, and some people were like, it was, uh, necessary. And the, and the Democrats a little bit had gotten in- incredibly complacent. And we knew that we'd lost all these down ballot races from, from, from Congress to governorships, to state legislatures and secretaries of state and, and school boards and, and judges, uh, that none of these groups would have emerged had Hillary won, you know, so many of these women and scientists, and engineers and doctors wouldn't be running. Uh, and and as painful and as very truly painful and dangerous it is as it has been for some folks, and it will continue to be for a little while, hopefully, uh, at most, you know, it's it was almost necessary for us to really get our shit together in a very comprehensive way so that we can look at not all those six people in your office that each have an issue, but if we can help half of them, then, th- then that's a hell of a difference. Yeah, I actually share your your sense of hope. I am hopeful as well. I know that I would have remained probably on my couch uh, in my my life had this not happened. Um, I have met so many people, you know, hundreds and thousands of people at this point in time who have similarly, you know, kind of come out of their comfort zones. I'm personally kind of an introverted person, and this was something certainly out of body for me to put myself into. Um, and I think a lot of us have just have done that, answered the call in whatever way that we can, you know, whether it's door knocking or phone banking or just talking mm-hmm. to a neighbor about an issue that you didn't ever talk to them about, sure. you know, is, I think, an important uh, first step. Yeah. And like I said, you know, your kids are are fully, fully formed human beings now as yeah. opposed to mine who... I try to let them make their breakfast cereal one morning and it's a, it's a night. <laughs> They're going like to get there. My kitchen floor looks like saving private Ryan and Cheerios. But, uh, I, I, I do look at there at the age where they can ask boy, a hell of a lot of questions. And, and I think if there are still books in 20 years or, or an America or an America that they will look back and say, what did you do? Uh, when the shit hit the fan and 
course, my answer is I started a podcast, but... Christie's um, is a little bit different than yours. <laughs> but, but we're all doing what <laughs> thanks, we can, right? Thanks, we're all doing thanks, something Brian. important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Just uh, But it does matter. It does matter. Um, are there are, are there um, experiences from uh, uh, your past or, or any of your specific careers that you want to angle uh, toward with your own legislating? What, what specifically has you fired up? Besides like day to day, oh my God, I need to persecute these people. Right. What you're now I'm running for office and I'm, I might actually get a chance to do this. Like, what do you want to do? I'm obviously interested. Let's, you know, first and foremost, put uh, the things that we all should be worried about, you know, healthcare, great Mm -hmm. jobs, great education. That's first and foremost, what we should all be worried about. Uh, And then in terms of my own specific experiences and, and kind of what I have to offer, I'm very passionate about STEM education and STEAM education. I've spent a lot of time you know, benefiting from it. I've spent a lot of time worrying about it and, and, and executing on that. Um, I'm interested in cybersecurity. Um, I'm interested in biosecurity and national security in general and have a background in that. I, I'm, I'm interested in making sure that we, uh, that we are a healthy community, and that has to do with um, not just national security, although I think uh, climate change is an example is definitely a national security issue, but just making sure that we have a, uh, a healthy planet to live on and that we are healthy people living on that planet. So those are kind of all the things that I'm hoping to be helpful with. Any specific perspectives on, on, on women in the armed forces? Hmm. Um, what specifically are you, are you looking for there? I have lots of perspectives. I think we're fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> perfect answer great next next <laughs> next um what do you feel like again you've raised uh two two wonderful humans uh at at this point uh will now go off into the world and and again clearly make great change um because you're their mom how do you feel about moms in congress um what specific if there were if there were 20 of you coming in you know what specific changes do you feel like you could be a force to to make or to encourage? So the things that, you know, and there are a lot of women running with, with young families. And what's interesting is there there's a new conversation about, isn't this interesting, all these people running with young families, but there's been men running with young families for a very long time. Um, and so that, you know, is an interesting thing that, we, that we're parsing in, in that way. But I think that, that we are singularly um, interested in things like women women's health, women's education, uh, making sure that women and men are treated equally in their jobs, living wage, you know, equal pay for equal work. Uh, those issues of family, um, pre-existing conditions, you know, are things that, you know, resonate with, with women and, and their families. I think something like 50% of us who are under the age of 65 have a pre-existing condition. And wow, like, 50%. Yeah. One, and so I think something like one in four kids also do as well. And, you know, whether it be asthma or my own children, you know, have uh, various things too. And so it is kind of interesting that that we as women and women with families, you know, are being talked about in this way in this cycle. But it is also, I think, interesting that we have the ability to hopefully worry about what our, you know, kind of umbrella does as women women's issues. But I believe them to be family issues, and as a consequence, I believe them to be issues of the economy and issues of jobs. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. And you mentioned there's there's, you know, either been older men with families or young men with young families running. Uh, but clearly we fucking blew it on that front. So it's not to say like it's on you guys to, to do it, but, but men didn't cut it. So yeah, it's, it's definitely family issues, but clearly we need much better, more specific hard nosed leadership 
uh, on those fronts to get anything done when you see that, what is it? It's like America and Papua New Guinea, the only two countries like without, without uh, paid, paid maternity leave. It's so bonkers. It, it's just, uh, yeah. Uh, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> it, it would, it would be funny if it weren't not funny. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. Ugh. Right. What, what about teachers? I'm curious being a teacher yourself or a former teacher. What do you, are you asking whether you think it's good to have teachers in Congress? Sorry, no. Um, anything that you would do, uh, in, you know, in Congress? Oh, you know, I've had a very uh, eclectic career, as you guys have said. And, yeah. and um, of all the things I've done in, in my life, uh, being a teacher has singularly been the most challenging thing that I've ever done. Wow. And uh, I have an enormous amount of respect for teachers. And I think the way that we're treating teachers in our nation right now uh, is is really horrific in terms of their uh, pay and in terms of the way that we you know think about their position in this in this important ecosystem of of raising up next generations and so I'd very much like to see a way to support teachers. Yeah, it's it, it's such a complicated one because I mean they should. My mom is a kindergarten teacher. Uh, you know, my my sister's a teacher, and and it should be so much better, and it is, and it's. You know, we've been having this argument for the past, oh shit, 50 years, but specifically past five years on raising the minimum wage and corporations and, and small businesses either pushing back or supporting it and saying that it'll, it'll, you know, it'll make more challenging and they'll have to raise prices or, or things like this. And I think the lazy thing is to say there should be a minimum wage for teachers, uh, even though there should be, because the problem is that so many local school districts are broke. And we're while we should have some sort of minimum wage or much much better compensation, we have to we have to find ways to pay for that because it's not just some corporations paying for it that can just raise money. Um, so I, I'm not sure what the answer is, but well, education in general is one of those investments. Investing in your you know your citizenry, whether it's small kids or or, or bigger kids, or frankly adults, as as they um, are in the in the economy as it exists now, and it's dynamically changing all around us. You know, if this is what we should be investing our our resources into. Is um, it, it makes a better country, it makes a stronger nation. Would you rather pay a million teachers or have a space force? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, you know, teachers are definitely critical of this ecosystem. <laughs> yeah. So slightly wonky, you're actually running for a freshened up sixth district. Uh, totally redone, redrawn last year because. Uh, some very bad men went too far, um, and they had to redraw it. How, how's that men are apt to do, yeah. <laughs> so interesting. How does that feel? What's that actually been like on the campaign trail? Because you're you're running through some neighborhoods that that weren't on the map recently. So, in 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 wonkiness, it, it really is interesting because we are the sixth congressional is where I'm running, and it is uh, used to be four different counties wide. It used to be called the dragon or the salamander because it was shaped like sort of a dragon or a salamander uh, and pretty much very surgically, very deliberately gerrymandered so that a certain result would, would happen with each election. And in the newly drawn sixth congressional district, it follows what the court asked for, which was, you know, more compact, more consistent, um, frankly, constitutional, I think was the word of the, of the court. And so now it's just one and a third counties wide, you know, so it's the bulk of it is one of the counties. It happens to be the one that I've lived in for the last 20 or three or 24 years. And then the rest is another county, uh, Berks County, which is the uh, remainder of the district, 20 percent of it. And, you know, it's interesting because Chester County used to be divided into three or four different congressional districts. Now it's unified into one. 
And so even though um, it seems very, very different, it's very, very the same because, you know, in the 18 months that I've been running, I was still running through Chester County. You know, there was really no differentiation between, oh, now this is the sixth and this is the seventh and that's the 11th. You know, it wasn't really very easy to see because those lines aren't actually drawn anywhere. Um, and so the, co- the consequences of unifying the, the district is that people's vote matters. Um, now it actually is, you know, still a 50-50 Democrat and Republican district, but it's much more unified and much more commonsensical. People actually know who their representative will be. And so that, that matters. Good, good. Yeah. <laughs> Basic shit. Um, <laughs> what, um, what are your biggest obstacles uh, uh, or and or challenges so so far. Yeah, I guess what surprised you or, or been something you really needed to overcome, hash out? You know, I I think that, hmm, I don't think that there are, I was worried, frankly, about apathy in my community. You know, I was worried that our, our obstacles in this process would be exhaustion or apathy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that we, you know, you're, every day there's a different, frankly, atrocity in the news cycle. It's like, oh my gosh, it can't get worse than this. Oh, no, no, it did, you know. And so I was worried that people who are not running for Congress would feel like they needed to look away, you know, that they needed to take a break and, and uh, check out. Um, but that has not actually happened in the community. And in fact, we're 50 days away from the election. And, and now I'm starting to see that not just the energy that has you know, remained, but also new energy from some of the very communities that we've been talking about, people who are kind of looking for a fresh um, candidate and a fresh set of ideas and who really are looking for somebody who's for things, you know, for good health care, for great education, you know, for a good uh, set, a good job. Um, And that I think is really cool. Um, What are the numbers like on other women running for uh, Pennsylvania districts? Please tell me you're not the only one. Yeah, here's the great news. So um, there are 18, as I mentioned, congressional districts in Pennsylvania and seven of the uh, 18 districts have Democratic women who made it through the primaries. Oh, and, nice. Yeah. And also one of those seven has a Republican woman who also made it through the primary. So no matter what happens, Fast. a woman will a be woman. elected to the state of Pennsylvania's <laughs> Congress. Uh, and Finally. so that's really good. And, and in fact, I think things are looking pretty darn good in some of those districts. And I'm hopeful that we might be able to bring a couple few women to Congress on behalf of uh, Pennsylvania. I mean, that's got to just uh, that feels like that blows minds for 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 ladies in Pennsylvania. Like, holy shit, I've I've, I, I, I've you know, it's so easy to homogenize it. But there's someone who I have some sort of connection to uh, that that's representing me on a most right. fundamental level. It's pretty remarkable. But I think if you had asked many women in Pennsylvania, certainly this woman in Pennsylvania, you know, two years ago, how many women are in the Pennsylvania delegation? I wouldn't have known, you know, I just didn't occur to me to ask that question. So yes, we are grateful that we might be represented at the table, but I don't think we really knew what that we weren't (laughs) to begin with. Yeah. Right. Now it is occurring to people to find out and ask and yeah, Yeah, that's, that's the key. All right. So, uh, (laughs) like I said, we build two action steps that our, our our listeners can take, whether they're in the sixth district of Pennsylvania or Pennsylvania or, uh, uh, around the U.S. Um, so where can we help specifically? Give it to us straight. So, you know, no, you, there's, you know, this is Pennsylvania and you may not live here, but there is actually an election happening November 6th everywhere in the, in the entire <laughs> uh-huh. country. Most important and day so, in the world. Yeah, it is very, very important. And so tune into what your voter registration requirements are to make sure that you are registered to vote. 
make sure that you help other folks to be registered to vote. And frankly, regardless of how people vote, you, should, you have a voice, you should have a vote. Um, talk to your friends and your family and your coworkers about how important this election was. If we learned one thing from the last one, it's that um, every vote matters and your vote counts. Um, and you know, organize, uh, organize yourselves and figure out what you can do on a, on a local level, on a state level, on a national level to be helpful. Um, for my particular campaign, you can find out more about me um, at ChrissyHoolahanForCongress.com. And I'd love it if people would follow me because I, I love watching the numbers go up. How many people follow me? This is with all sarcasm. <laughs> with all sarcasm. Um, no, uh, with Twitter and Facebook and that kind of thing. But do look around because there are there are races all over the place, all kinds of places um, that you can, you know, that you can follow people and that you can be helpful to people in races that really matter. Awesome. Nice. And I'm assuming folks can, can donate at your website. <laughs> yes, that would be lovely. If you go to, <laughs> if you go to Chrissy Land for Congress.com, there's a uh, not so small button that says donate here. Uh, Hula hand for PA is my Twitter handle. Uh, and you know, I do come from an expensive part of the, of the world. I am trying to communicate to a, a large group of people in the Pennsylvania media market. And I would very much appreciate help. I'm into that. We're into it. All right. I, I'm uh, I'm Brian. I live in the 6th District in Pennsylvania. What do you really want me to know? Uh, so I really want you to know that there's a human being out there running for Congress. And in fact, several human beings running for state reps and for state Senate and for governor and for Senate who are sane, you know, and who are rational <laughs> and who care about generally, you know, the same 80 or 90 percent of the same things that you care about as well that we can complete full sentences and that we don't tweet at three or four hours in the morning, um, that we're sane and rational representatives of the people of Pennsylvania. And we'd love your help either in getting out the vote, you know, door knocking or phone banking or text banking or, or just plain grabbing somebody in November 6th and taking them to the poll. Um, and that's what I would like them to know. You set a pretty high bar here. No tweeting <laughs> in the middle of the night. I know, uh, right? I remember this. I don't crazy, know. Crazy, crazy. I tell my kids nothing good happens after midnight. That's, That's right. Thing. Yeah, that has yeah. always and forever will be true. Yes. <laughs> uh, I th- who, uh, I think it was Ricky Henderson who told that to, to rookie baseball players uh, when he was <laughs> yeah, like still right. stealing bases at 47 years old. He's like, listen, kids, nothing good happens after midnight. <laughs> Sounds fun. Doesn't at all. <laughs> exactly. Go home. Right. Put it down. Right. Put it down. All right, so what is it? Two o'clock? We've had you for a while. We, we yes. really appreciate it very much. Thank you so Thank much you. for being here. You're very welcome. Thank you for, for having me. Yeah, of course. Almost, almost done with you here, Brian. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, we have uh, just a little uh, lightning round uh, of, of a few questions here. Quinn's going to start you off um, with a long one. <sighs> I know. I know. I'm working on it. <laughs> uh, Chrissy, when was the first time in your life when you realized you had the power of change or the power to do something meaningful? Take your I time. I, I was I was sort of always told by my dad that I can do anything. I love that. So yeah, I, that's I've pretty powerful, actually. I've always that I could do things. That's, that's, that is like such a simple, fundamental thing and right. something I try to remind myself with, with my kids, uh, even if it's just doing the monkey bars. I mean, if we if we had your daughter on and we asked her this question, I feel like she would basically say the same thing. It's because <laughs> my mom's a badass and she, if she can do it, I can do it. <laughs> right. Chrissy, who is someone in your life that's positively impacted your work in the past six months? I would have to say, speaking of badasses, um, we have kind of collectively called ourselves the badasses. We are the women veterans and women of service candidates who are running as Democrats yes. in this cycle. And um, 
they give me inspiration and, and get me up every day because this is a pretty um, out of body process and experience. And to have those other women that I know are out there doing the very same, very hard things every day, really inspire me. And I've gotten to know, know them only over the course of the last months. That's awesome. That's amazing. Um, what do you do when you just feel overwhelmed by all this? <laughs> so I get in my pajamas and mm-hmm. I get in, I get, I get in my room and I watch, uh, inevitably the, my, my favorite shows now are the Americans or Game of Thrones. God, how good is the Americans? I know. Oh, wait, I know, so you're right? not, you're not done yet though. Clearly I am done. I finished, I just finished, which just bums me out. I literally finished last week, but incredible finale, right? Yeah, no, it was actually really good. Uh, so it's one of those shows that actually got better every season. Uh, just it, that, that shows a near dear part of my life. Uh, is it? Well, and I, gr- I grew up in the kind of that period, Cold War, you know, sure. yeah. <laughs> and I served at that, you know, that period. So it actually yeah. resonates with me. It turns out the Russians are not good guys, you know, so, like, <laughs> so yeah. weird. That's yeah, actually so why weird. I like Game of Thrones so much is that was from uh, the time when I was born. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something you can identify with. Yeah, I can completely relate to it. And Great. I can't wait for the new season to start. Uncle of Dragons. Brian. Uh, when does it start? 20, like 40? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Never. Chrissy, how do you consume the news? So I read the New York Times. I read the Wall Street Journal. Um, I do that on my phone primarily. And I read the Atlantic. I read um, the Economist. I do that in paper form. Oh. In what? In, I'm I, sorry, what paper? In, paper form. In actual paper form. That huh. used to be a thing. Yeah. The, <laughs> the Inquirer, my, my local paper of record, it comes to my cell phone with an update every day and I hey. click on various things. And so I am a multimedia consumer of news. I dig it. Excellent. Um, okay. If you could Amazon Prime one book to Donald Trump, what would that book be? So I just read a book that was called I believe it was Mountains Beyond Mountains. And speaking of sort of the theme of this conversation, it was about Haiti and about this one doctor who really made a huge difference in tuberculosis and, you know, kind of like a modern day Mother Teresa, although Mother Teresa is pretty modern day. Uh, And Mm -hmm. I would send that to him so that he would understand that humans have an impact. One person can have an impact and that he is having an impact that is uh, incredibly destructive, not just for our nation, but for the planet. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's, uh, that's awesome. I can't wait to check that out. Um, I, I heard this last thing. I heard this quote the other day from someone saying, uh, it, we don't really understand it here because it, unless it's Russia or maybe England or France, it doesn't really affect the American people when someone is elected the president of another country. But for, so many other countries in the world, it really matters who the American president is. And that is such a different uh, perspective that we need to get a handle on and that that I don't think he totally grasps. Or maybe he does entirely, and that's the problem. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, Chrissy, this has been awesome. Yeah, really awesome. Thank you so much for making the time for us. We really appreciate it. Uh, you already did this. Where, where can our listeners follow you online one last time? Uh, Houlihan for PA on Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, Facebook, of course, Chrissy Houlihan for Congress.com. Um, I think it's at Houlihan for PA uh, and, and uh, Chrissy Houlihan on Facebook. Awesome. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time, uh, for all that you do. Uh, good luck over the next 50 days. But who's counting? 
Yeah. Hey, who's yeah, counting? No, it's just, uh, thanks for being such a great mom and a great teacher too. Yeah. It's a hell of an inspiration. And, uh, we will definitely catch up with you, uh, once you're in office, it'll be very exciting. That'd be fun. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, we will. Oh, careful. Brian's getting on his motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> careful what you ask for. Uh, all right, Chrissy, go get him. Thank we're, you. We're proud of you. Keep it up. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks to our incredible guest today, and thanks to all of you for tuning in. We hope this episode has made your commute or awesome workout or dishwashing or fucking dog walking late at night that much more pleasant. As a reminder, please subscribe to our free email newsletter at importantnotimportant.com. It is all the news most vital to our survival as a species. And you can follow us all over the internet. You can find us on Twitter at importantnotimp. Just so weird. Also on Facebook and Instagram at Important Not Important, Pinterest and Tumblr, the same thing. So check us out, follow us, share us, like us, you know the deal. And please subscribe to our show wherever you listen to things like this. And if you're really fucking awesome, rate us on Apple Podcasts. Keep the lights on. Thanks. Please. <laughs> and you can find the show notes from today right in your little podcast player and at our website, importantnotimportant.com. Thanks to the very awesome Tim Blaine for our jamming music, to all of you for listening, and finally, most importantly, to our moms for making us. Have a great day. Thanks, guys. Thanks.